You are listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more content and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Well, I am excited today because we're continuing with our series on the book of Ruth. I called it the Gospel of Ruth a couple of weeks ago, which is a pretty good description of it because in Ruth, there is a lot of gospel truth. A lot of times we think of the Old Testament as being the law, and then the New Testament is where we get Jesus and we get the gospel. But it's beautiful to see stories of redemption, for example, like in Ruth, um, that we may not always expect or imagine is even there. So Ruth, kind of the main idea, the big point, the overarching point for this entire series is right here. And I'll encourage you to say it with me now. Vulnerable people can find protection under Yahweh's wings. Vulnerable is a huge theme throughout the book of Ruth. Because we have this main character, kind of two main characters, Ruth and Naomi, who are both women, who are both immigrants. First of all, Naomi goes into the land of Moab, and then we have Ruth coming back with her to the land of Israel. And their husbands are are gone. Their husbands died in the land of, of Moab. First, it was Naomi's husband, Elimelech, who died, and And then her two sons married Moabite women, and then the two sons die. And so she's left there in the land of Moab with just these these two daughters-in-law. And that would have meant that they didn't probably have much as far as economic means or ability to support themselves at all. So it's just layer of vulnerability upon layer of vulnerability upon layer of vulnerability. And what we discover is that God provides for these vulnerable people people. He provides for Ruth by giving her this this redeemer, this kinsman redeemer, Boaz, who protects her and shields her and ultimately pays the price for her redemption. And in this, we see a, a crystal clear image of Jesus Christ who pays for our redemption as well with his own shed blood at the cross. So Ruth is a, a beautiful, beautiful story. And the last couple of weeks we've been in chapter 1. We're going to wrap up chapter 1 this morning. You kind of know how the the story goes, hopefully, at at this point. But just a a brief recap. There's a famine in the land of of Israel. And this is when Naomi and her husband Elimelech and her two sons, they move to the land of Moab. They get to Moab where there is food. And very quickly, Naomi's husband dies. And then her husband, Her sons, they go ahead and they marry Moabite women, and then her two sons die. And so now she's left there with just Orpah and Ruth in the land of Moab. And she finds out that there's actually bread back in Israel, back in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, by the way, it actually means house of bread. So you can see there's all sorts of different layers to this story. So now God has once again provided food in in this house of bread, now once again has sustenance. And so Naomi goes back there with her two daughters-in-law. She starts out on this journey, but very quickly Orpah 
decides that she is going to stay because Naomi gave the instruction, said, look, if you want to be provided for, if you want to be safe and have some sense of security, it would probably be wise for you to go back to your people. And so Orpah does this. But then we have this character, Ruth. And Ruth, what does she do? She clings to her mother-in-law. Even though she had nothing to gain from this, she decides, I'm going back with my mother-in-law to the land of Israel, where she would be, in fact, a foreigner. And it would make no sense, logically, because Ruth doesn't have anything to gain by her friendship with Naomi. And yet we see her putting this all on the line and saying, no, I am committed to you. I will cling to you no matter what. This beautiful picture of Christian friendship. And so they decide to head back into the land where Naomi came from, the town of Bethlehem. And that's where our story this morning picks up. We'll be in Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. And I'll ask you to rise for the reading of God's Word. Ruth 1, 19 through 22. So the two women, this is Naomi and Ruth, the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been mad at God? Maybe you can reflect upon your own lives and remember a time period when you were you were angry, you were upset, you were mad at God. We get mad at God for all sorts of reasons, don't we? Take me all day to list every one of them. We we get upset with God maybe for for how we are. I remember back in high school, I didn't love the person that God had, had created me, and I, I was upset, and I would be frustrated with him. God, why am I like this? We get mad at God when tragedy strikes. God, we weren't ready for this to happen. We weren't ready to let them go. We get mad at God when there's changes in life, unforeseen changes. Something happened that we didn't want. Something didn't happen that we really wanted to happen, right? There's no shortage of reasons we can get mad at God. I'm kind of mad at God this morning. This past week, our little dog, Pilgrim, many of you have, have met him. He's been here at church. He's a good little companion. He's a little mini Australian shepherd. He's five years old. Just a young, young pup. 
we found out he has Lyme disease and his kidneys are failing. That's why Bethany and Marigold aren't here in church this morning. She has to be at home with the dog. He's actually got an IV drip. And it's really, it's really bad. And there's not a ton of hope for him right now. And my wife and I, a day or two ago, we were talking about this. And she told me, she said, you know, I'm having a hard time believing that God is good right now. I'm having a really difficult time believing that God is, is good and loving and gracious to me. And I'm mad. So what we did was we pulled out a blank sheet of paper and we composed our own psalm of lament to God. And we wrote out our anger. We wrote out why we are upset with Him. He's five, he's five years old. He's, he's, he's really young and he's been such an important part of our family for so long. And it sounds silly getting that attached to a dog, relatively speaking. You know, there are people who are sick and, and dying, but that doesn't minimize the, the pain that losing a pet can, can bring. And we were mad and we're upset. God, why? We're not asking for the moon here. Just heal our dog. So we get mad and, and we got frustrated and we get angry. We get angry with God. And he, here's, a, here's a question to consider when that happens. Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it acceptable for me as a Christian to get angry at God? Here's what an Old Testament scholar by the name of, of Walter Brueggemann, he says this about this whole question. And I think this is really profound and really insightful. So I want you to listen closely. He's talking about how people often perceive angry Christians and they, they see that and they're like, no, 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 you, you can't do that. You, you can't be angry. You know, you need to, don't talk to God that way. You need to, you know, clean up your, your act and kind of clean up uh, your language and, and, and don't be that brutally honest with him. Like, and so he's reacting against that. And, and what he says is, is really good. He says, people often say that Christians ought not to feel that way. In other words, angry. We're not supposed to feel angry. Agreed. But what if you feel that way? <laughs> Question isn't so much, should I feel this way or not? The question is, when I feel this way, what in the world am I going to do about it? And he goes on to list three different options, three different ways that we can react to our anger toward God. He says, one, you can act on it. Two, you can deny it. Three, you can give it to God. You can act on your anger. You can act on your frustration, the impulse that you have, the hatred, the outrage, you can take it out in physical aggression on someone who's weaker than you. Physically or verbally, psychologically, 
There's a million different ways that this can be done. We've seen churches, synagogues, other places where a gunman enters on Sunday morning, pulls the trigger. It's entirely possible to act on your anger, right? My wife and I have been married. Oh, I shouldn't have started that sentence. Looks like I'd finish it. I know the ballpark. <laughs> Honey, I'm sorry. Six, six and a half years ish. Um, and we, I noticed very early on marriage is interesting. It's the best thing in the world and it's the worst thing in the world because it, re, it makes you realize things about yourself that you didn't know were there in the first place. And I noticed this about myself is that when I would have a bad day and like I would be upset or angry about things, I would notice. I would come home, and then my wife is like trying to help me and encourage me and talk to me about it, and I'm getting angry at her. Like, what's going on here? What I was doing was I was turning her into the enemy. See, I couldn't take that anger out, or I didn't want to take that anger out on these other people. So instead, I took my loving wife, and I spoke harsh words toward her. See, we can act on our anger physically or, or verbally. Now, a brief sidebar here, but this is really important. So, you've heard this phrase, righteous anger, right? Righteous anger. As Christians, I've often heard people say something along the lines of, well, yeah, but aren't there things that we as Christians should like be able to get angry about? We should be able to have righteous anger and indignation over certain things. Here's the thing, though. Righteous anger can only come from a righteous person. There was only one of those. And that's Jesus Christ. See, anger at its root, as we heard in our Scripture reading passage this morning, is not just about physically acting out on things. It is a murderous intent of our heart. And when that gets acted on externally, it could just be an internal thing as well, but you see what's happening is the, the same thing externally is being reflected what, what's going on in your heart. So that's option number one. You can, you can act on it. Option number two, you can deny it. And if you are like me and you're a good stoic Norwegian, guys, we got this down pat. We got it down, Pat. <laughs> we deny it. We pretend, oh, I'm, I'm not frustrated. I'm, I'm not angry. And so we just we stuff it down and we stuff it down and we stuff it down until it erupts at the next church barbecue or something. I don't know. Right? It's, it's, it's easy to deny our anger and to, to kind of paper it over with this pious language and and pretend like everything is all good. This gets reflected even in our prayers, the way that we pray to God sometimes. Like we're trying to fool God into thinking, making him think that it's not that bad with us or something. The thing about denying it, though, is that that doesn't make the anger go away. 
I don't know about you, but not once in my life when I have said, I'm not angry about that, has that made me not angry about that. The problem then is, is that it, it doesn't just dissipate, it doesn't go away. Instead, it transforms into something else. It just pops up in some different way. And it comes out in maybe an argumentative spirit. Or it, it comes up in a, in a sarcastic attitude. Or some sort of fear-based reaction, emotional reaction to something. It, it doesn't, denial does not make the thing not exist. It doesn't make you not angry anymore. When I was in high school, I ran track. Track was awesome because you got to miss school for track. Oh, my goodness. Like, all day sometimes. I missed, like, six hours of school to go and run a 14-second, 100-meter dash. I ran it faster than that a couple times, but <laughs> just to clarify. But before races and before jumps, I do long jump and triple jump sometimes, and to get psyched up for these events, you listen to music, right? Pop in the headphones, and I got to listen to something good to really get me going. And I had a friend, he was another Christian friend, and we got into an argument because the music he would listen to a lot of times was like this angry stuff. You know, people screaming and people yelling. And I'm kind of thinking, well, that's not very Christian. So I thought I better have a word with him. So, so we talked, and we argued, and I was like, you know, when you do that, that just like, that makes you more and more angry and just escalates things, doesn't it? I said, you're a Christian. What you need is to listen to some Michael W. Smith or some Amy Grant or something to kind of level that out, to bring you down. But kind of reflecting back on that experience today, I realized that what was going on there was that I was trying to deny the reality of anger. I was trying to paper over it and kind of trying to whitewash it and, and to hide it. And Because he, what he was saying, he had a point, is that actually, you got it wrong. When I listen to music that can be come across as, as angry and, and really energetic... What that does is it gives him a voice for his anger. It gives him his anger actually an outlet. And that's what we see in the Psalms happening all the time. As we see the psalmist not stuffing it down, but actually giving voice and not denying his anger, but, but expressing his anger. I know we're all really good as Midwesterners expressing our emotions, right? The reality is that if you're the kind of person who's, who's sitting there and you're thinking, well, that's not me. I don't, I don't get mad at God. I've never been mad at God. I can't do that as a Christian. Man, we either are deliberately trying to hide that or we just don't know ourselves well enough. Because that happens too. So we can act on our anger. We can deny our anger. Or we can give our anger to God. And when this happens, it can be a messy thing. It can be an ugly kind of thing. And I want to show you a clip from a movie that 
exemplifies what this might look like, giving it to God. And I show you this because this is one of the most modern day examples I could find of what expressing anger in the language of the Psalms looked like. This is from a clip called, or from a movie called The Apostle with Robert Duvall, a 1997 movie. And in this clip, you don't need to know the whole story, but he's a preacher. He's a very fallen, broken man. He's a Pentecostal preacher. His wife has left him for a younger man, and, and he's tr- he eventually committed some, some really bad crime, and he's, 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 he goes on the run, and his whole life is basically in shambles. And in this particular scene, what he's doing is he is looking to God, and he is crying out to God in his anger. So I want you to listen and watch this clip. That's a temple I built for you. Hashtag my wife, they stole my church. That's a temple I built for you. And I'm going to yell at you because I'm mad at you. I can't. Take it. Give me a sign or something. Blow this pain out of me. Give it to me tonight, Lord God, Jehovah. If you won't give me back my wife, give me peace. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give me peace. Give me peace. I don't know who's been fooling with me. You are the devil. I don't know. And I won't even bring the human into this. He's just a mutt, so I'm not even going to bring him into it. But I'm confused. I'm mad. I love you, Lord. I love you. But I'm mad at you. I am mad at you. So deliver me tonight, Lord. What should I do? Now tell me. Should I lay hands on myself? What should I do? I know I'm a sinner and a once in a while womanizer, but I'm your servant. Since I was a little boy, you brought me back from the dead. I'm your servant. What should I do? Tell me. I've always called you Jesus. You always called me Sonny. What should I do, Jesus? This is Sonny talking now. All right. You let me down. Hello? Oh, well, that's, that is my son. That he's, I tell you, ever since he was a little bitty boy, sometimes talks to the Lord and sometimes he yells at the Lord. And tonight he just happens to be yelling at him. I'm working here or not. Should probably turn it on. This is the main point from today. So if you only remember one thing, let this be it. God is big enough to handle our anger. God is big enough to handle our anger. And what you saw in this video clip and what we see in the Psalms is that when this anger comes, what it is is actually a confession of faith. Because who are you going to in your anger? When you bring it to God, you are saying, only you can do something about this. I don't know what to do with it, God. It's too big for me. It's too big for my shoulders. It's too big for my heart. I need you to take this and do with it what you will. You see how that can be an expression of faith. 
Who are we bringing this to? Who are we entrusting our anger to? And here's the good news, friends. Here's the really, really good news. God forgives our angry hearts. And He accepts our angry prayers on behalf of Jesus Christ. Not because our intentions are pure, not because our motives are pure, but because of Jesus and who He is and what He has done. As we close our time this morning, we're not going to have a final hymn. What we're going to do instead is I'm going to play you a song on here. It's by a band called King's Kaleidoscope. The song is called A Prayer. And it's not your typical worship music. It's not your typical worship band. What it is, it, though, is it, it's the best modern-day expression of a psalm of lament that I was able to find. And in, in this, you can, you can hear the anger, you can hear the, the honesty, the, the frustration that this person is experiencing as they cry out to the Lord. But I want you to, to listen specifically for when the turn happens, because there's a turn that happens when the perspective goes from the perspective of the singer to the perspective of God. So he's, he's bringing his complaints before the Lord, and then at some point, God turns and responds to him. So I, I want you to listen specifically for that turn. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that as you watch this and as you hear these words, that you would find an expression of your own laments and, and of whatever it is that you are going through right now. Let this be your prayer as well.
Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, there are times, there are seasons of life <clears throat> when we are frustrated, when we are angry, when we are even angry at you, God, and we confess that. We confess our own broken, sinful hearts, Father, that we don't always trust you as we should, but we thank you for your promise that whenever we confess, God, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I thank you, God, that, that you took, took all of our anger, all of our sin at, at the cross. And that you love us, God. All of this was driven by your love for us. May we sense that. May we believe it even when circumstances are difficult. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastorkjolhaug at gmail.com. 
As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.